Well, as Pastor Sam said, it is Pentecost Sunday, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. If you want to turn over there, if you want to follow along, I would highly encourage that. But Pentecost Sunday, the Feast of Pentecost, in the Old Testament, it is known as the Feast of First Harvest. It's also known as the Feast of Weeks because it comes five weeks after Passover. And in the the very first Feast of Pentecost, God gave the the children of Israel the, the law, the Old Testament law. And at Passover, he had set them free. He had saved them out of bondage, saved them out of slavery. And here just a few weeks later, he is giving them a way to connect with him, to know him, to serve him. But I just want to point out that before he was giving them a way to live, he was giving them a reason to live. Okay, you got that? Salvation first, then we start looking at how we live, right? So what does that mean for us? What does Pentecost mean for us? Just like the children of Israel, we have been set free from bondage. We have been set free from the slavery of sin. That is our Passover, That is the reason that we celebrate at at Easter. But on Pentecost, on the very first Pentecost, the Lord decided this is the day that I'm gonna birth the church. And he sent the Holy Spirit into the earth and he birthed the church right there. Remember, Pentecost is the feast of first harvest, right? So the feast of first harvest is when the Lord birthed the church. And he didn't just do that. He decided that he didn't want us through salvation just being the temples of the Holy Spirit, but he wanted to surround us. He wanted to engulf us. He wanted to to baptize us in his presence. Doesn't that sound good? Absolutely, it sounds good. So we're not meant to just be the temple of the Holy Spirit, where we hold the Holy Spirit in. Yes, he's in in residence. He dwells in us. We are the house for the presence of God. But the more that we know him, the more that we press into our relationship with the Holy Spirit, the more that he begins to manifest himself through us as well. So we are finishing up our series called The God I Never Knew. Uh, It's all been about the Holy Spirit all been about how the Holy Spirit connects with his his body, with the people of God today. And we're going to finish up today with why we need Pentecost. Why we need Pentecost daily. Why do we need Pentecost each and every day? In Acts chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus speaking said, For John baptized with water... But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And what does that, what is the result of this Holy Spirit baptism? Well, he tells us in verse 8, it's just a couple of verses down. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses. So let's watch that in action real quick, okay? Let's look at this real quick. So flip over one page to to Acts chapter 2. This is the classic Pentecost Sunday scripture. But don't worry, this is not where we're going to stay the whole time. 
In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, if you grew up in a church like I grew up in, when we read uh, Acts chapter 2 right here, everybody's shouting, woo tongues, 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 tongues. But guess what? Tongues is not the big thing going on here. It's a wonderful manifestation. It's great when, when God pours out his spirit and there's a manifestation here. But the whole point of Acts chapter 2 is that 3,000 people got saved. Why? Because people were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with God. And Jesus had already said that the result of people being filled with my spirit is that you will be a witness. So God shows up and there's a witness. There's a witness. They all heard these people speaking in different languages. There were people from all over the world hearing their own native tongue. And it was a witness. And people got saved. People got saved. At the very first Pentecost in Israel, God gave his people a way to live and to follow him. The very first Pentecost of the church, God gave his people a way to live and to follow him. In the Old Testament, it was, hey, follow these rules. But in the New Testament, it's not that we throw away all the rules, but the impetus is on follow the Holy Spirit. The power of Pentecost is that we are engulfed and equipped with the Holy Spirit. And now he can use us and and lead us, and he empowers us to be a witness. And nobody shouted. You know why? Because we hear that witness and go, I'm not witnessing. But do you know every day that you live your life, it is a witness to somebody? Every day is a witness. But we get in these places and we go, oh, that sounds great. That sounds good. But how does that affect my daily life? I'm glad you asked. How does the power of Pentecost affect our daily life? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm all for tongues. I'm all for the, the, the Spirit of God moving. I'm all for the manifestation of, of the Spirit of God, however he chooses to, to, to manifest himself. I'm all for that stuff. But how does Pentecost affect us daily? That's what we need to know, right? And that takes us to Luke chapter 4. So in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And Jesus was full of... Of the Holy Spirit returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit 
in the wilderness. Jesus was returning from his water baptism. If you don't remember the story, when he was baptized, it says that the Holy Spirit descended on him. It looked like a dove. So here's Jesus right after he's been baptized. And Luke is pointing out that Jesus has been full of the Spirit. He is full of the Spirit. and He's being led by the Spirit. And he's being led into the wilderness. Verse 2 says, for 40 days... He was led into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. If Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit to walk through a season of temptation, so do we. You got that? So do we. And notice it says, following the Spirit, that Jesus was led into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit knew what was about to happen. He knew where he was going. He knew where he was leading him. He knew that when he went through this place, this wilderness, that he was going to be tempted. The Holy Spirit will lead us into the wilderness as we're on our path to those places of green pastures. The problem is when we get to that place of temptation and we stop and stay. Notice even in the 23rd Psalm, God is leading through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say anything about stopping and building a house. We're going to live here for a while. No, he wants you to go through. Go through. We will go through times of trials and temptations and God knew that we were going to come to it and he's even led us down this path hmm why because temptation is only an opportunity to prove what's really filling us I've said this a lot of times but it is true faith without test is theory Faith without test is theory. It's one thing to say I believe. It's one thing to say that I would do this. Oh, if I was going through this, I would do this. Well, guess what? You'll probably get an opportunity because our faith will be tested. The enemy hears the things that are coming out of your mouth. He's hearing the confession of your faith, and he's going to say, well, I'm going to give him an opportunity to live it, and he's going to put it out there. So let's look at the three ways that Jesus was tempted here and realize that we are tempted in the exact same way. The exact same way. So the first one, tempted by my needs. Tempted by my needs in verse 3 there in Luke 4. says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus was hungry, but full of the Spirit. How often is our tummies full, but we're empty of the Spirit? Just saying, okay? If you are the Son of God, this is what the enemy is saying. If you're the Son of God, prove it. If you're the Son of God, prove it. This is literally what he's saying. Since you're the Messiah, why are you depriving yourself? 
You deserve it. You've been out here for 40 days. You, you've, you've been doing everything that God has told you to do. You deserve it. It may even come along as God will understand. God will understand. Satan appealed to a legitimate need. The desire to eat. But Satan was suggesting that Jesus fulfill this legitimate need in an illegitimate way. And in verse 4, this is how Jesus replied. And I'm reading just this one verse out of the Passion Translation. It says, Jesus replied, I will not, for it is written in the Scripture, life does not come only from eating bread, but from God. Life flows from every revelation from his mouth. Now listen to me. What Satan said made sense. Humanly, did it not? Why are you starving yourself? You can do something about this. It made sense. But what Jesus was saying is what is written makes more sense. The word of God makes more sense. Jesus reminded Satan of the biblical truth that every word of God is more important than any need that we think we have. The power of Pentecost will help us in these times of temptation and will help us address the temptation the same way that Jesus did. Because sometimes we, we try to meet our own need mentally and physically and emotionally. But the Spirit is leading us into a deeper place of trust and willingness to follow after Him and follow the Word. In these times, listen to me, in these times is when we learn dependence. See, we are good Americans. Even worse, most of us are Texans. We are an independent people, right? The Holy Spirit leads us into these places to build dependence in us. Not independence, but dependence. I can handle it. I can do it. I can make it happen. I can fix it. No, 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 and no. If you can, it would make you proud that you did it on your own. Most of the time we can't. Most of the time we, we run around the same track again and again and again and again. That's how you know I'm from Texas. I say again, okay? Again and again and again. We're learning dependence. And when we're eschewing, we're pushing away independence. All right, the second thing, the second temptation that Jesus faced that we also face is tempted by shortcuts. Tempted by shortcuts there in verse 5 of Luke 4. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. And I will give it to whom I will. 
If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. The devil knew that Jesus had come to redeem lives, to redeem kingdoms, to win them back, to to pay the price so that he could take them back. And this was an invitation to win back the world without going to the cross. Satan would simply give it to Jesus if Jesus would just worship him. But we know that God's plan was for Jesus to die as a sacrifice to purchase humanity. But Satan said, I've got a shortcut. And it doesn't involve suffering. Let's be honest. We don't like suffering. We don't like suffering. We don't like to deal with suffering. But but it speaks of Jesus in Hebrews when it says that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered, through the things that he went through. I'm not talking about just putting up with something. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about that we will go through things in life. Jesus himself said, in this life, you will have tribulation. It's guaranteed. You're going to have stuff. Stuff is going to happen. But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Because I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. You're going to have stuff. We're going to go through stuff. It's going to be something that's uncomfortable to us at times. But remember, the Holy Spirit has led us to this place to get us to be dependent on him and less independent. We like shortcuts because we like easy. Right? We like shortcuts because we like easy. There's not a person in here that would tell you that food made in a microwave is better than, than, than somebody cooking for hours and hours. Right? But we'll eat that microwave meal at times, won't we? It's a shortcut, and I'm hungry now. The easy way isn't always the right way. Taking the shortcut may short-circuit our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and turn what seemed like a shortcut into really a more difficult and longer journey. See, our journey from here to there seems like it should just be a straight line. If I needed to go from here back to the sound booth, it seems like it would make sense for me to walk down these stairs and walk right up this center aisle and go right to to the sound booth, right? That's the quickest way. That's the shortcut right up there. And in life, we can see I'm supposed to go there, so I'm going this way. But the Holy Spirit says, no, let's go up and down each and every aisle. Because that teaches us dependence. That teaches us patience. That teaches us to be looking for the people who might be sitting on the aisle as we go up and down each and every aisle. Remember, even when we're going through things, the point of being filled with the Spirit and being led by the Spirit is to be a witness. Do not for one second think people are not looking at you when we're going through things. 
Think about the, the prodigal son. Most of us know the story of the prodigal son. You know, he come, comes up to his dad and he just demands, give me my inheritance. Give me my inheritance. I got to have it and I got to have it now. And I, I've, I've actually preached it this way. You know, what he was saying was, you know, Father, I, I wish you were dead because he didn't deserve the inheritance until, uh, until his father had died. I don't care about anybody but myself. And he goes off. And, and I'm studying last night. I'm going through some things, and the Lord says, you've missed a point. What, what have I missed here? He said the father could have said no. At any point, the father could have said no. But the father knew until he went and did Until he let him go, until he took his hands off of him, he was never going to come to the end of himself. And until he comes to the end of himself, he's never going to see himself as a son. Probably all of us have been prodigal sometime, in some way, in our lives. And I've watched people that knew better Walk away from God, push away from God, and and go and get themselves in a mess and then get mad at God. Right? Well, God knew this was going to happen. Yeah, he knew it was going to happen. God knew it was going to happen. If we had listened to the Holy Spirit, he'd have been walking us up and down the aisles. But because I needed a shortcut, I got myself in a mess. And why am I mad at God? God knew it was going to happen, but God also knew that it would bring me to the end of me. So therefore, he let me go. And bringing me to the end of me is the only way that I'm going to understand that I am a son. Get so empty of me that I can come back and say, God, it doesn't matter. I'll clean the toilets. I'll do anything. He goes, no, get up. You're a son. He was always a son, right? But he didn't recognize he was a son. We've got to recognize that we are sons and daughters. And when we're going through things, it is just an opportunity for us to be those sons and daughters. And the prodigal is not always, you know, somebody that's, that's going off in gross sin. Uh, Corey and I were talking before the throne room service about this. And he actually told this story in the throne room about how he was dead set on, on, on being a professional soccer player. He, he had the talent to do it, and he's going to be this professional soccer player no matter what, no matter what God said, no matter anything, because obviously God had given him the talent, so God was going to bless him no matter what he did, right? Do we ever think that, that sometimes? We come up with the plan and say, hey, God, bless my plan, instead of, God, what do you want me to do? And he said he finally made it, finally made it to that professional level, runs out on the field for, for one of his games, you know, and there, there's, there's thousands of people in the stands, and he's nothing but empty. And in that moment, he was coming to the end of himself and realizing this is not what God put me on this planet for. We've all got to come to that place. We've all got to come to that place. In verse 8, Jesus responds. He says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him 
only shall you serve. The Holy Spirit leads us to places to expose our weaknesses. But in those times, we learn how to follow, how to worship, how to serve, how to be dependent. All right, last temptation. Tempted by bad doctrine. You might say easy doctrine. You might say selfish doctrine. You know, people can twist the Bible in all kinds of ways. People can take little pieces of Scripture out of context, and they can build whole doctrines around them. I mean, cults do it all the time. They take one verse, and it means everything. It's everything. Well, this is the verse. But it's not the whole counsel of the Word of God. Because you know what? From the beginning to the end, God is the same. And it will line up with the, what he began in the beginning will line up with what's going on in the end because that's who he is. But people will take these distorted scriptures and they'll use it to uh, distort a view of God. People that only preach uh, uh, shame and condemnation, there's never any grace to anything that they say. People will take scriptures just to keep people in bondage. And people will even take scripture to justify their sin. And it's easy to see this at times. You can see it, you know, in a cult when it's so, so glaring at you. But what about in our, just our local neighborhood churches? I mean, the church may mean well, but wrong doctrine destroys people. So knowing the word of God is imperative. Would you agree? Yes. You know, Paul commended the Bereans because they didn't just listen to what he was having to say. It says they searched the scriptures to see if it was true. So in Luke 4 verse 9, it says, And he, this being Satan, took him, of course Jesus, to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now that is Psalms 91. Satan is quoting Scripture. You got that? Satan is quoting scripture. But we need the power of Pentecost to see through this type of deception. Staying in tune with the Holy Spirit, staying filled with his presence, and being led by the Holy Spirit through the word is our only defense to this type of attack. Because you know what? It might sound, that sounds good, doesn't it? That might sound good. Go ahead, jump off. Sounds good. It might sound bold. It might even sound loving. But the goal here is to get you to believe doctrine of devils. 
In 1 Timothy 4.1, it says, Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceive, deceiving spirits and the doctrines of demons. Just a couple of scriptures later, I think it's verse 3 there, uh, it says that they, they'll go around and they'll find teachers that will scratch that itch in their ear. This is what I want to hear. Say what I want to hear. Only say what I want to hear. Because it makes it, it, it feels good. Guess what? Sometimes when we're under conviction, it doesn't feel great. Because God is exposing some stuff in our heart. If you've never had a, a slobber snot fest because God was exposing things in your heart, I didn't always feel good at first when we begin to see how dependent on me that I've been. Now listen to this. According to ancient Jewish writings, there was a traditional belief that when the Messiah came, that he would appear on top of the temple. Where was Jesus right now? <laughs> on top of the temple. Satan was tempting Jesus to fulfill a messianic expectation of the day. Show up on the temple and let those angels just take you and present you to the people. Everybody will know you're the Messiah. But Jesus rejected the twisted scripture with scripture. Luke 4, 12. And Jesus answered him and said... You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had and when the devil had ended his temptation, he departed. When you resist the devil, guess what? He will flee. That's scripture. Resist the devil and he will flee. But he'll come back. He'll try again. He's persistent. How persistent are we? How persistent are we? You see, Jesus resisted these temptations because he was led by the Spirit. And he knew the Scripture. Now, I am not trying to put any condemnation on anybody because you go, I don't know much of the Scripture. What do you know? What do you know? Live that. If you'll just live what you know, God is not going to give you some kind of test. Oh, what is the book of, let's just pick some, some random prophet here, Zephaniah. Somebody tell me what Zephaniah is about. What's Obadiah about? Hmm? Amos, Hosea. I could say Jonah, you'd know Jonah. That's, that's, not, that's not an excuse to be ignorant of the word. I'm not, I'm not giving you license to be ignorant of the word. But what I'm saying is what you know, you know. And what you know builds faith in you. And if you will live what you know, the enemy will flee. If all you know is John 3, 16, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If that's the only scripture that you knew and you come into a time of temptation, you can say, Jesus has been given. He's my way out of this. I'm one of those whosoever will. I believe, I believe, I believe. I've known people <laughs> that have sought the Spirit and ignored the Word. And most of those people are like bottle rockets. They light up, they shoot up, they blow up, and then they fizzle out. And then there's the other side. I've known people that have studied this but they run from the Spirit of God. You cannot understand God's Word without the Spirit of God. And people that, 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 that shun the Spirit, but they, they only get into the Word, you know what? They're, they're a lot like a balloon at times. They're blown up, they're puffed up. But when they come into a time of temptation like we're talking about, guess what? All the air gets just sucked out of them. Following after the Spirit of God, He doesn't want us just to blow up. And He doesn't want us to be puffed up. But following after the Spirit of God will actually help us grow up. Amen. But the real power of Pentecost is a deep connection with the Spirit that teaches us the deep things of God. It convinces us that God wants to use us for kingdom purpose. So let me ask you a question. Where do you need the power of Pentecost in your life today? I've thrown a lot of stuff out this morning, I know. But where do you need the power of Pentecost in your life this morning? A deeper connection with the Holy Spirit? Man, I need that daily. What about the power to resist temptation? Are you going through some stuff right now and you're trying to do it on your own? You're trying to make it happen on your own? I can handle this. Guess what? We do not serve a God that says, suck it up, buttercup. In fact, Scripture tells us that for every, in every way that we're tempted, He's already provided a way of escape. He knows what we're going to go through. He's leading us toward it, and He's already provided a way of escape. The Holy Spirit does not have any plans for your life that end in failure. Do you need to develop a, a deeper passion for the Word of God as you connect with the Spirit of God? Maybe you just need a word of encouragement or some direction in your life. You may be here this morning and you need healing. You need a miracle. 
Well, guess what? All of this is available through the power of Pentecost. We don't have to chase signs and wonders. Chase the Holy Spirit. You follow the Holy Spirit, guess what? Signs and wonders show up. We don't have to chase the gifts. Just connect with the Holy Spirit. The gifts will show up. What do you need the Holy Spirit to do in your life this morning? That's what he's here for. You may be in here this morning and and you've never really made a connection with God. You may have been in church. I grew up in church. As I tell the story, I could have told you how to get saved. I'd just never done it. I worked in vacation Bible school. I worked in the bus ministry. I worked in all kinds of things. And I was absolutely without God. Things does not get us to God. We're not purchasing our salvation. It is the free gift of God. And the very first thing that we, the way that we connect with the Holy Spirit is through salvation. I've made a mess of my life. I recognize I can't do it on my own. I recognize that I just need God's influence in my life. And I'm willing to say, I am going to be dependent on you. You may be here and and you know that you've got a relationship with the Lord. It's just cold. We let it go cold at times. Neither one of those are ways that the Lord wants us to live. It's hard to be led by the Holy Spirit when our relationship with God is cold. Would you agree? I've been there. This is, this, I mean, this is not any shame. I don't preach shame. I know the grace and mercy that God has given me and how much I've needed it. So I'm just going to ask, as, as, as we get ready to close here, if there's anybody that has never made a real connection with Jesus, or you know that, that, that you have, but it's just not where it should be, you know that's the boldest thing that you could have done. Because that same lying devil that would tell Jesus, hey, it's okay, God understands, is the one telling you, oh, you've tried this and, and, and it didn't work the first time or the second time or the hundred and first time. Why are you trying this again? <laughs> or all those Christians, you know, they're, they're, they're just a bunch of judgmental, no good people. They, they won't accept me. They won't love me. Look, everybody's got a story. <laughs> Everybody's got a story, and your story's welcome here. Because the God that we serve doesn't care about the story that's past, just the story going forward. Because He makes us new creations, right? So we had four people raise our hand. Raise their hand. Could all of us just together? Is it okay with you if, if, if we just repeat a prayer together? 
Let's repeat a prayer together. Your relationship with God may, may be white hot. I hope that it is. But as we do this, we're supporting those who are saying, I need God. I need God. All right? Something else we did in the throne room. Let me just throw this out real quick. Corey had people stand in for prodigals. I'm just, I'm, I'm just standing. I'm, I'm praying for a prodigal. I'm praying for a prodigal. I'm, I'm believing that God is going to connect with that prodigal. Anybody want to say, I'm believing for a prodigal? A prodigal to come, to come home, to come back? I am. So as we pray this prayer, those of you that are standing in for the prodigal, you just pray it as if you're praying it for them, over them. We're sending the word of God to heal them. You know, Jesus did that, right? With the centurion servant. He sent the word and he was healed. Let's send the word. Let's remove every excuse they may have for not connecting with God. We can't get saved for them. We can't make them do it, but we can remove the excuses, right? So pray this with me. Jesus, I need you. I am desperate. I have tried it my way. I've tried it everybody's way. And it's failed. I'm going for you. I believe you. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for purchasing me. Thank you for loving me. And from here on out, I'm going to live as a son or a daughter in the kingdom of God. I'm going to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and live in me. Change me. I declare that I will be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, I am new.